0: What's going on, coaches? Our newest episode of RTP Talking Ball is on RTP Premium. You guys can find that on our website, runthepower.com. Uh, it's only twelve bucks a month. It's ten bucks a month if you buy it for the year. We've got uh, seven different series on there, uh, and our newest episode of Talking Ball, one of our series, is out. Uh, we talk, we watch uh, uh, some clips that we've cut up from the Auburn LSU game uh, LSU on offense. Some of those clips, we talk through it, uh, talk a little ball with it. Um, and what we're seeing, uh, on that film. So you guys go check that out. It's runthepower.com. We've got other, other videos up there. We've got apparel. We've got other podcast episodes all on our website. Again, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by guardian caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable... uh, price for them right now 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free plus 10 free to so get 10 free ones as well check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com football this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play the team at Just Play hooked us up with their product as you guys know uh, and it's been a game changer for us if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get My Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk again with JTO Sullivan. Coach O'Sullivan is the head coach at Patrick Henry High School in San Diego, California. He's also the creator of The QB School, YouTube channel that has quickly established itself as one of the top football resources on the internet. listen, as we talk with Coach O'Sullivan about his first online RPO course called The RPO Framework, A Roadmap to Success, you guys as listeners of RTP can pick up his course at rtpschool.com and receive a 15% discount, just use the code RTP15. Again, that's rtpschool.com, and use the code RTP15 for 15% discount. You can follow Coach O'Sullivan on Twitter at JT underscore O'Sullivan and at the underscore QB underscore school. Hope you guys enjoy. (laughs)
1: had to go kind of the player-led route they they booked us out until July 1st so I think they're kind of doing the trial run with baseball in Iowa baseball is a summer sport like actually run through the high school so it's you know not not club or not you know there's legion ball and stuff like that so it's actually in the summer so that puts a pretty big you know wrench into a lot of our skill kids. Yeah. So we we actually come up with two different workouts. We do kind of a, a skill kid workout, and we've really gone kind of the the feed the cats model, the Tony Holler stuff, where we're more concerned with speed and, and movement with those guys as opposed to you know them putting on a lot of mass. So our our guys kind of run first, do their their sport stuff, and then we have a, a built in lift that they do, and we don't have them do any more than fives right now. So we're going like five sets of five, and even then it's like sixty percent. So they're not going to be super sore to to go to baseball and and run around. And then once we kind of get into it and they're ready to roll with all those guys, we do what we call clusters. So it it almost mimics football. So if you're doing, say, you know, six reps, rather than doing six reps all in succession, being under the bar, being under tension, we split it up into two. So they'll do two, you know, just like you're doing a football play, four to six seconds, they'll do two reps and then they rack it like the ball is, you know, being marked. You're, you're waiting for the ball to be snapped so we'll go 15-20 seconds in between then we'll blow the whistle and then they'll do another two reps rest do another two reps so we kind of break it up then as it gets closer to the season the cool thing like you said it, it mimics football a little bit more and then they're not getting sore because we're, we're more focused on you know the, the speed aspect with our big guys our big guys will do all those sets because some of those guys still are trying to put mass on you know we got our our younger guys so we've kind of gone to that but we just made player led groups, man, and that's kind of how we work around it. We let them run it, and you know if kids have like questions and stuff, they might contact your text chip, you, but we're not there coaching them at all but our our kids have taken it and run with it and i'm I'm excited because our team leadership's gotten so much better kind of using this model
2: Wow, that's cool that's very cool
1: well yeah you've I'm Yeah, uh, i'm I'm curious
0: what your thoughts are or how did, how you run it because um You've been around some of the biggest freaks, you know, probably in 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 the country. Uh, assuming that mostly they're either basketball or football players, uh, the best athletes in America normally play those two sports. You know, how much how much of it is it working out? How much of it is is obviously in the NFL? It's all it seems to be all. Let's make sure we're all healthy by the time it's game time, or as healthy as we possibly can be. So, what do you do as a high school coach then? Because your kids are still growing, but you're still going to have some freak athletes on a high school team. How do you How do you think about the the workout process? you know, going into that.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm blessed with some some great help in the weight room that I kind of defer to the to the experts. But the, our core principles it kind of falls in a, a few different buckets. For me, it's kind of the. I'm always thinking the long-term projection of their experience through their high school career, right? So, like a a guy who's going to be a potential a rising senior, you know, who thinks he's going to play college football, is going to be on a different potentially different path than a you know someone who just played freshman football. But they're going to be in kind of the same program, and so we have it tailored to kind of be able to educate and teach and really teach those fundamental kind of Olympic lifts that we ask them to do at as those kind of early on in their process. And then it evolves into kind of a, almost a borderline, you know, not necessarily individualized plan, but more kind of position specific mirrored to their aspirations. You know, we have some guys that aspire to, you know, play at the highest level of college. And then we have some guys who just want to be great high school football players. And so it kind of falls all over the place, but then it ends up being kind of somewhat position specific and being around guys who, you know, who are into it and who like the weight room, you know, and can kind of elevate position groups. If you know how we mix them up, how we pot them together or whatever, however we cluster them like that, I guess. But for me, it's, I was always, I had kind of a, you know, evolution of what the weight room looked like from, you know, trying to be as strong as you possibly can to what you mentioned, just being healthy and feeling great, you know, and I think that there's a fine line depending on where you're at with your development. Are you still growing? You know, what does that look like as far as where you're at and where your programs at and kind of balancing all those things? It can feel like a lot, but really it's just about being intentional and making sure that you got the right people in the right kind of paths to to be successful and then have a strength conditioning kind of program or leader or director that uh that has the capacity to do it. So
0: how how important is it then for a quarterback? Because this is I, I've got no idea, but I just you know, I think quarterback and I think pitcher. Uh, And and there's some of them I look at and say they look like they should have a cannon and they do. Uh, And then there's some that you look at and and I would think was a junk pitcher, uh, but he's throwing you know 100 miles an hour. You know, same as a quarterback, he's he's launching it, but doesn't look like he would be you know a, a strength guy. Is you know how important is strength for a quarterback or is are are they working out more to stay healthy? How how does that work? You know for a quarterback uh, working out?
2: Uh, I mean, I I think it depends. Uh, I I really (laughs) do. Like, uh, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I mean, there are some guys that are just legitimate freaks. But there, I think it'd be silly to say that uh, a solid strength conditioning program and understanding the basics and the principles and being developing your body to its maximum capacity wouldn't help you. You know, I think it would help just about everybody. But at the same time, you know, anecdotally, I can tell you that I never lifted a weight in high school but I definitely Mm -hmm. felt the difference when I all of a sudden not only did the college thing, but did like the, you know, I'm going to go work out with the best guys in the area thing Mm -hmm. and in the college that really took me to a whole different, I just felt more explosive. All of a sudden I was making guys miss that I, you know, that I didn't, wasn't making that kind of cut before. And so just, I, I think once you get into it, whether you find that you're into it in high school, you find that you're into it in college, or, you know, even if you're fortunate enough as a pro, like, when you spend the time to fully develop your maximum capacity, not only does it give you a different sort of confidence, literally a confidence, but a physical confidence as well that all of a sudden, hey, I feel bigger, I'm more in tune with my nutrition, I care what I put into my body as my fuel, all those things kind of come together. But at the end of the day, you're right, there are some dudes that can just flat out spin it, you know, and that, you know, it doesn't matter what they bench, you know, it doesn't matter what they squat. And then there are some guys that you'll say, hey, I've never seen that dude in the weight room before, he comes in on re- max day and he's the strongest cat on the team. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, you know, it's, it's a, for me, it's a little bit easier as a coach to think of it. Cause you're always thinking of the collective, right? Like I need mm-hmm. the group to elevate. I need the, you know, position unit to elevate all those things. And yeah, we obviously got to be in the weight room, got to be doing things right. And got to be educating them because so many of them, you know, today was our first time we ever had our incoming freshmen able to even join our like zoom workouts. Well, some of these guys have probably never worked out in their life before you know they've never played tackle football before and so what that looks like being able to set the priorities set the kind of framework for what we're trying to do and build I, I try to be really intentional with especially at the start
1: how do you kind of handle then like the offseason throwing you know what what's kind of your recommendation for guys you know a couple times a week three times a week seven on seven what's what's that normally look like because I think there's a a bunch of ways that guys do that too.
2: Yeah. I mean, if I was telling my kids, like literally my kids to do it, I would tell them to play every another sport. I I would Mm -hmm. hope that they do. I I would that now that's just not the reality of what's going on nowadays. And so I've got, we've got a few quarterbacks in our pipeline that all they do is play football and they want to throw all the time. And for me, I, I always, I, I so have vivid memories of my own experience of being able to step away from something and come back more, either more developed, like you're literally growing, you know, depending on what level you're at, you're getting stronger, you, you get a chance to go away from it as opposed to throwing all year round, you're on seven on seven teams, you're working out with a personal coach, you know, you're doing school stuff with me, you know, you, there's never a, a lull. And so I, I'm, I'm really, we, we get together in the off season in a non COVID year, once a week, my expectation is is that they do footwork on their own multiple times a week, but there is no expectation about throwing. You know, we have certain drills that they can do on their own, as far as like throwing up on their back if they have touch issues. But you know, I'm not I'm not asking them to go out there and, and get like three bullpens in a week, anything like that. It's it's more, you know, have a better understanding of what we do from the ground up as far as playing quarterback. But you know, I, I don't know if there's a, you know, I'm sure that there are some people that are, that have the the science behind it. But for me, I always. Just I want them to play other sports. I, I feel like it's so often just kind of empty words, but I would love for them to play baseball. I would love for them to wrestle. I would love for them to play even lacrosse or, you know, stuff out here. It just other than, you know, being a full-time quarterback when you're a high schooler.
0: It, it, that's always kind of been, and I know that's been the big thing in the recent five to ten years, you know, play another sport. Um, and, on, on, you know, honestly, I kind of shrugged all of it off uh, because as a high school player myself, as soon as I got to just football, I got to a lot better at football. And and so I was like, hey, you know, it's not for everyone, which it's not. But then, you know, this year I get to watch my son go through wrestling and go through some things. And, and with all the COVID stuff going on, me and him are playing catch of the football a whole lot more in the backyard. And then baseball season comes around, and we hadn't touched a baseball. And all of a sudden he's he went from one of the not as good players on his team to one of the better players on his team as far as – and it doesn't – just being good just means you can catch a ball every once in a while, right? He's not—he's not a you know freak. He's a six years old baseball player, but he can catch the ball now. He can kind of throw the ball now, and and we hadn't worked any baseball this whole time. We played catch with the football. He had went to wrestling practice. He had you know developed you know all these different muscles and different things that he had never done before, and he learned how to you know kind of squat down instead of bending his back. Just little things that again we didn't work on any baseball, but just working all these other sports helped him develop so much more in baseball that it was, that was kind of been eye opening this off season for me. And and I don't know how much that correlates, you know, for a kid that's 16 years old, you know, does he make a huge jump or or change Um, or is it just because, you know, a bunch of these younger kids are so young and, and they're developing maturity anyways. Uh, But it was, it's been a really interesting thing to see.
2: Yeah, I, I think baseball is one of the the best sports to be able to do that because when you are stronger or more coordinated in baseball, baseball is a lot more fun. You know, like it, there's a kind of that sweet spot, I think, when you're like 10, 11, 12, where all of a sudden you're playing like borderline real baseball, you know, and it's fun uh, to see that kind of growth. And you really do see it because a year is a big deal. You know, 10% of your life is a is a big opportunity to kind of make that jump for me. My, the other part of it that I and I agree with you that you can see it in the younger ages. I guess the flip side for me, when you get an opportunity to play longer, you know, and you get an opportunity to play as a pro, I think that the time to step back and reflect and realize that you haven't been doing this everything for ten years. You know, as a high school player, college player, you know, you you've had some breaks. You 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 look at it with a with a with a different thing. You can I for me like I still think back to when I was growing up soccer is a big thing out here in California. So I played a lot of soccer. I still kind of think in that mindset where I'm like, okay, what am I going to do when the ball comes to my feet? Where's the next pass anticipating that. And so, and it's not like football where there's only a couple options in soccer. It's up to your creativity. What kind of ball skill do you have? You know, same thing with basketball. Like, what am I going to do? If the ball comes to me, what am I supposed to do next? Just like baseball. Like what do you do if the ball's hit to you? Things like that, that are, That to me help other sports, help your vision, help your anticipation, help your kind of you know athletic development on so many different levels. That it's easy, it does kind of fall feel like empty rhetoric when people say, "Yeah, I just play multiple sports," and then you know inevitably, half the coaches that say that don't mean it. You know they they want you to be in their program all year round, and so I I feel like there's some disingenuous kind of statements that fall in that. For for me, I I I couldn't. I would be so happy if we had. Every single one of our players play another sport. That would be outstanding. Whether they're throwing, sprinting, I would love it if they all did track. I mean, it, you know, all those things for me are, are just so obvious, but it's hard when guys are so gung-ho like, no, I'm, I'm all I'm doing is football.
1: It's hard to, I think, at, at some of the really, really large schools just because, you know, the the competition for a lot of those spots – you know, it becomes a little bit tougher, but you know, the school we're at, it's, it's awesome. I mean, our kids, most of our best athletes are playing three, some of them even play, you know, four sports. So it's, it's an absolute blast. And then, you know, you talk about your winter workouts, we break it up all the time where, you know, some mornings they'll come in and we'll sprint and then we let them play, you know, three on three or let them go. It will have a a dunk contest or we'll have, you know, different, different things you'll do. Just like you said, I mean, just to get them in that mindset of, Hey man, doing other things, playing another sport, your body's moving in, a, in another way, you know, kind of getting those neurons to fire however you, you want to talk about it. But I think it just breaks up the monotony of things too. I mean, you know, so many overuse injuries and, and, you know, just losing love of the sport because you don't have that variety. You know, some people, yeah, they need it. They love the structure. Other people, you know, myself included, I got to find a new hobby probably, you know, every couple of months. Otherwise I, I get burnt out on it because I just – go after it so you know i I think some of those things built in it it shows too that hey man you know we we love football we're about football but at the same time you know we'll put our money where our mouth is we want you to do other things and even if it's not doing it competitively you can't make the basketball team you can still play pickup ball you can still go out to your buddy's place to play three-on-three and you guys can have you know dunk contests and all that stuff and our guys have fun with it
2: yeah like Rowdy, when you were in high school when you were in college at houston did you play Mm -hmm. basketball in the offseason yes see i mean i did too like that was just my that was what i did for fun and for conditioning i did that when i was a pro too like it Mm -hmm. was that was just you know i don't know if i told people that i was doing that but like (laughs) you know i I was doing more like the steve nash you know like stay on the ground type hoop but like right i was still like i always loved it and i always thought that that was thing but that was promoted from my college coach he was very, you know, play three-on-three basketball. It's perfect for football. It translates so well to what you're trying to do from the quarterback position as far as, you know, every single thing from vision, anticipation, moving without the ball, understanding space, all those things that, that we were really intentional with that. And, I'm, a, you know, I know some guys in college that, you know, they get in trouble if they did stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that was – at Houston it was it, – we went and played quite a bit of basketball, but it was a secret. I mean, we did it and we did it up at the rec, um, but – it wasn't anything you ever told the the coaches about they wouldn't want to hear about it even in the off season i mean they would deal with it but it was definitely not something that they wanted to to hear about um but like you i you don't know guys loved it we loved going to play basketball most of the guys played basketball in high school and um you know just just enjoyed doing something like that in the off season um and, but so that was kind of you already answered a little bit but how do you get away from football in the NFL when you know some of these guys I'm sure it's in their contract they're not allowed to do certain things to get away from it and and if it is so important you know why aren't we why aren't they doing it I I guess here was my always was my argument Um, and I think it has to do with age Uh, but if, if it is so important which I'm buying more into it every day but if it is so important why isn't Alabama having all their players, you know, play basketball at times or play something else, or why aren't, you know, the New England Patriots, why aren't they spending a few weeks to go, you know, hit baseball, you know, whatever. How does that translate once you get up into that higher level? How do you get away from it? And and, you know, why haven't they bought into the importance of getting away from football if it is so important?
2: I mean, I would answer that in two parts. One, you're getting paid. Right. I mean, as you, you know that's just it's just different like you got to be not you're you got to be uh, a little bit risk averse to not you know to be like I'm going to go hoop in the off season and put this thing at risk if it is at risk but to your point about obviously you know I think you alluded to it earlier you're going to get better at playing football playing football and so if you're getting paid to go to a job they're not going to go ask you you know more than like you know the handful of like retreats that they make you do to like do anything other than football. And I, and I get it at that level. And I also get it that you're a more developed human being, you know, for, you know, many guys are young in the league and they're still developing, you know, intellectually and potentially physically, but you know, there, I think there's a different uh, responsibility to educators. You know, those guys are not educators. They, They would say that they're educators as coaches, but they're getting paid a significant amount of money to win football games. That's it. You know, it's a transactional relationship at that point to a certain extent, as opposed to the responsibility of high school coaches as probably more lean toward the side of educators and trying to maximize the development of your players. I think, you know, for me, it it makes it a lot easier to promote what I think is a more well-rounded experience than just say, hey, you know, you're going you're gonna to be really good at holding down that B gap by the time you graduate this high school, <laughs> you know, like that, you know, yeah, right. I, I just think there's a different level of responsibility. And so my, my thing about it, I just, I guess, it, it, you know, it's just one of those things where I had such a great experience playing multiple sports and don't necessarily think of myself as a former football player. I just think of myself as an old athlete. You know, I, you know, I would love if I could, I'd go out there and play some spike ball today. You know that that type of stuff or hoops. Today, I know I got buddies that drive by our old man pickup game. As I sit on my porch and they're screaming at each other, you know, when can we play again? You know that type of stuff. I think is more about what I love to instill is just like a love of competition, a love to compete, a love to play team sports. You know those type of things are the things that resonate for me more than like, you know, what's your technique? What's your first step look like?
1: Love it. <clears throat> this is all fun uh, yeah.
2: stuff.
0: So so I, I'm also kind of curious, so this is the last thing, and I'm sorry to cut you off walls, but but I had, you know, obviously we want to get into some RPOs and, and talk about that, but but before we did, I wanted to ask you uh, first, you know, being a former, uh, you know, in the NFL uh, as a quarterback and, and you're around, you know, quarterback, you, you don't know whether they call it a skill position or not, but, you know, to me, obviously yes. it's it's a high money <laughs> skill position, right? And so <laughs> – I'm looking at, I don't know if you got to watch, I'm sure you did, the, the Bulls documentary, the Michael Jordan documentary. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Phil Jackson, you know, also a, a former, he was in the NBA, and now he's a coach. And so he's been around NBA players, and, and you know, now he's a coach. And, and you're, you know, we're former in the NFL, now you're a high school coach. But the cool part to me with Phil Jackson, and I don't know if it was cool, it was just really, really interesting to me was, obviously and then all the coaches talked about it was how he handled you know the Dennis Rodman situations that came up um and and probably a lot of guys that uh, only got to high school or the college level um would would handle that that Dennis Rodman you know that something like that a certain way uh I, I'm kind of curious not just that in general but but how do you feel as a coach as far as as working with guys that um, are a little bit different or, or try to bend the rules or try to, to, you know, get away with a few things, but they are good players, but they're, you know, maybe they also are good people. How, how do you work? How do you juggle, hey, these are the rules and we need to hold everyone accountable to our rules so everyone knows they're accountable? How do you juggle that with, hey, this is how we're the best football team um, we need to make sure our best football players are out there. Uh, obviously, a fine line between those two. H- how do you go about your thought process of that?
2: Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I, I, don't, I you know it's one of those things for me, and I, I don't, I'm sure I didn't. I stole this from many people say this all the time, but I, I think I say you know, I try to treat everybody fair. I don't treat everybody the same. And I really don't, you know, there are different levels of relationships, depending on what I feel like certain students need and certain students are looking for, for their football experience. And so I personally encourage them to be their own, you know, to be a character. If you're a character, I like characters. I just think it brings more joy to, uh, I want them to be themselves, just like I want them to think that I'm being myself and authentic and have that model for them to do that, but you know, I, I try not to put people in a box and really promote them being their individual self, but at the same time, understanding that they're part of a collective group And where, you know, it's not, you know, singles tennis and it's not golf to a certain extent, you know, that part of it, there is a team element that, that I think goes into it, but the, the unique thing that I think you're nudging me towards, as far as the league thing, there are so many guys in the league who f- just have you know, are being pulled in a bunch of different directions, but they show up on Sunday and they ball out and they play harder than just about anybody you've ever seen, talked to, or met. And they might not have been on time. They might've been spaced out at a, you know, they might fall asleep at the install. They might, you know, be late from the walkthrough, but I would go and play. I would want them in my huddle every single day. They just are great football players and make the team better. And so there is a fine line like, yeah, are you going to sit that person or not start them for a series and hurt the team because, you know, they were late to the bus? Or are you going to give the team the best chance to win? What, what is the long-term, you know, best way to do that? I don't think there's a one clear-cut answer. I really don't. I always try to just go with the mindset. What's the best thing for the team? What's the best thing for the program? I've sat, you know, probably our best player last year, one of the best players in the area. He was, you know, missed a practice, had to sit him, wouldn't, didn't let him play in the first half. We lose the game. Would we have won the game if he played? I would probably make the argument, yeah. So him being late, me punishing him, now I collectively punish the group because of that. You know, I always struggle with that. And there is no, you know, I wish there was a a, a manual or something to give me the answers. But I, I just I always I guess I default to wanting guys to be themselves. I would love for them to be characters, maybe not on the extreme of Dennis Rodman. right and going to vegas but like no, be be you that's why i I text all the time our players like be you and that's not just social media that's not just at practice like i don't want guys that are just uh you know like grease board route runners i want to be you be creative you know i give you some freedom as far as where you need to be when you need to be there but when you need to be there you better be there because we're we're trusting you to be there but i'm not going to tell you yeah you got to take three steps and on the outside step give them a nod and then come in no be you show some creativity show some you know some fluidness with your routes and and, and be creative. And so that's hope that's I, where I hope I would come but you know that documentary was so fascinating on so many different levels. I mean you cool. you're going you're going to be able to have like undergraduate classes that dissecting that thing for years. It's going to be unbelievable.
1: I, yeah. I I I mean I think the philosophy is is spot on. I mean I I'd agree with it 100%. I mean I just think when you box yourself in, I mean, you talk about, you know, rules and standards and all these, when you, when you have too many rules, now it's impossible to enforce them all. So like you just have, you know, like, like you said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to treat you fair. And then I just, you know, the, those lines of communication, you talk about, you know, texting your kids and talking to your kids, you know, not only are you talking to them about them, you're talking to them about, you know, your other teammates. Hey, Jimmy really needs you guys. Jimmy really needs football, but he's dealing with, you know, X, Y, and Z. So there's going to be some days, guys, where he might be a little bit late or or he's going to fall short. You know, that's the same thing in life. You know, we're going to have coworkers and bosses and all those guys do the same thing. And and you teach them a little bit of grace. Now, if it's, you know, you sit the guy for the half, it's probably something blatant that he said or did, you know, and he was a guy you could usually count on. But when it's someone, you know, hey, he's going to help us out, but, you know, we're going to have to probably deal with some things and you guys are going to have to, to help him out a little bit we're going to, we're going to see the the benefits of, of us being a little bit, you know, I don't want to say lenient, but being a little bit more, you know, compassionate, probably. I think it works out for the best for everybody all the time when you do that.
2: Yeah. I, I and the other part that I want to add to that walls is, is just, I'm very, I, I hope I am. You'd have to talk to our staff, but I, I'm, I'm trying to be really intentional with them about understanding, Hey, this is your position group. You know, you might have some, you're going to, be dealing with some outstanding circumstances here. And so uh, before you come in the room, before you join the staff, like, Hey, this is, you know, there are potential. This is a lot more than just, you know, Hey, you got a dual read, you know, this is, we, we got some significant issues here that we're going to try to, 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 you know, increase someone's life, make the football a trampoline. And so, I think that that part about being upfront with people, as far as expectations of roles, communication, absolutely. It, it goes a long way to, to kind of feeling like, especially as a head coach where you feel like, you know, part of your responsibility is to coach the assistant coaches to find out what their plans are, what their track is. But I don't want them to feel like, Hey man, I got blindsided by this, you know, off the field issue where let's be up front, let's be clear. Let, no surprises when it comes to those type of blind spots for guys.
1: Yeah. I think once, and once you have that, you know, open line of communication in that trust. I tell you what, the, the staff really takes off and all of a sudden now you probably start winning the championships you want to win, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get into the, the RPOs, you know, enough small talk here. <laughs> um, and you kind of, you kind of alluded to it, you know, to begin with when you were talking about, you you kind of got me fired up, you know, talking about soccer, talking about three on three, To me, there's so many RPO quote throws and decisions that a quarterback has to make, where it has to be like anticipated, or the guy did something opposite maybe of what I thought he was going to do, and then I got to be creative and improvise. So maybe kind of start with with that because the the whole angle I think that you bring to the RPO stuff, and people have been asking me left and right about it, like you know what what is what is JT's you know uh, RPO program have that everyone else does. I go, I'll tell you exactly what it has. It has a quarterback that played in the NFL telling you about it. Because to me, that's the the biggest thing. It's not some coach. It's not coach speak. It's not a dude that I'm reading. It's a guy, hey, here's the things that I saw. And here's the things that all of these quarterbacks are having to quote, go through in order to be able to, you know, make these things work and manipulate them.
2: Well, I appreciate that. The, the the thing for me with the space is I, I just think it's so much fun, man. I'm telling you. Like there's just no other way to attack a defense consistently and put so much pressure both horizontally and vertically on a team. And it's just constant stress. And to me, it's really it's really easy too. That's the other part of it that I think is is fun to 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 play with. And so it's it's for me, I'm always I got in, I, I've been kind of thinking about how the channel would evolve and I've been trying to be like, how can I go deeper and spend more time on stuff that I really dig that I think gets a misconstrued, you know, whether it's listening to a broadcaster, you know, not be able to spot out what an RPO is or isn't, or whether you're in a program where maybe a coach is kind of too old school to, to go all in, where you're trying to, you know, sprinkle it in, or you're someone who you only do RPOs. Even if you only do RPOs, like we damn near only do RPOs there are still things that when i turn on a saturday film i'm like yo that's amazing like we're doing that and so how those things are constructed i think really goes a long way to uh, the success of it but for me it just there's so many ways if the system is built to take advantage of what the defense is going to give you both pre snap post snap and at so many different levels you know there when if you're not doing it you know i, I just feel like you're you're leaving so much space on the field and so how it's constructed. And for me, you know, analyzing stuff is all it is, is just pulling things apart to their absolute bare bones, the, the essentials of how you build these things together. And there's so many simple kind of, whether it's a pre-snap look or kind of a post snap, and it can be who you're reading, where you're reading that player tethered to what that concept looks like that you're going to read. You know, there's just, it's, there. It's really kind of bounded by your own creativity, and the and the course I think does a nice job of being able to. No offense to the coach, I, I know that this is a coach centric uh, podcast that I love, but you know, a lot of the Zoom stuff when I was filming the course, the stuff that bugs me so much is just like PowerPoint karaoke. Like I just can't handle it mm-hmm. when someone's reading on a screen, and so I don't want to. That's not the intent of the course. The intent of the course is to pull it back and learn from the ground up, and really from a comprehensive coach player, execution, install, kind of adapt how you make changes in real time to things that are going on because I think you can kind of pigeonhole yourself. It's great to start saying, yeah, we're gonna run, you know, zone read with a bubble, you know, wide triple option. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, we can vertically stretch people. You know, and now that adds such a, you know, when you when you start making the defense have to figure out, you know, who they, who's the read guy, who's the conflict defender, you know, am I slow playing this? Am I coming downhill? Am I feeling hard? It's just, if you're playing zone against an RPO team, you have no chance to be right if it's done well consistently. Now you can, if your guys are just better and you just play man on the perimeter, yeah, we're going to have some issues. But <laughs> right, it, it, I mean, it, it's essentially killing zone. It really is. So, I mean, you know, anybody who plays a team that plays any sort of zone, if you're not running RPOs, you're leaving yards on the field. You're leaving points on the field.
0: Well, what I what I thought, and you've touched on it just a little bit, but what I thought was really cool about the course uh, for me was it, at times you break it down to, you know, hey, if if you're a coach, this is some really good, you know, coach talk basically. Here's some things to think about as a coach. Here's some things to to break down and, and this is what you're looking at. Uh, and then you also go into, okay, now you're, you're a quarterback. This is what I'm thinking as a quarterback. This is for all you quarterbacks basically watching this, this is, what the quarterback's thinking. This is what, as a quarterback, this is what I'm thinking. And then, you know, even a step further, you talk a little bit about um, the the average fan that watches it on a Friday, on a Saturday, on a, on a Sunday night. Hey, this is kind of what you're seeing. This is what you're looking at. And so it's really cool to, you know, when I was going through it, it was really cool to see that on three different levels, as a coach, as a quarterback, and, and as, as just somebody viewing the game of football. Um, what what made you kind of decide that's the way you wanted to go through it because I thought that was a a really really cool way um to decide to break some of that stuff down
2: well I, I appreciate it honestly it mirrors the intention of the channel and of you know of me I fall I fit into all those buckets like I'm a fan I'm a player I'm a coach like I it's, it's not hard for me to transition and wear those different hats to be able to look at it. And I think it gives a better understanding, even if you're a coach, you know, I I talk even about, it gives you some artillery as far as dealing with parents. You know, I, I, you you get a, you're in this long enough, you're going to deal with parents like, Hey, you know, little Johnny wants the ball or little Johnny's going to play tailback. Well, you know, in the RPO world, you know, I'm not turning around feeding our beast, you know, every single play It's the ball's going to be spread out naturally. And so even as a parent, I think there's, there's a sense of, of relief when you're dealing with an RPO structure. But for me, I just, the channel is built off fans of football. Uh, I enjoy the coach interaction. I have fun coaching, but the fans drive that channel are people who just die hard, love ball. And so they, Uh, I'm, I'm making the course so that they also have an understanding like they can't, they don't get access to the information. You know, a lot of, a lot of coaches have a pretty good understanding of what's going on with some elements of RPOs. Even if they don't run them, they have to play against them probably at some level. And so there's an understanding. I think you can go a lot deeper when you all of a sudden maybe see what the other side of the ball is doing and how they actually construct those RPOs. And I think you, even if you're an offensive guy, the construction of those RPOs can be a little bit more adaptive, whether you have built-in concepts or whether you're changing concepts every week or whether you're signaling a different concept, every single play, you know, there's just so many different ways to how you think about the intention of the play. You know, uh, you know, for me, I always kind of cringe when I see guys run it with like snag or stick, you know, like if we wanted to get five yards, we just, you know, run a hitch. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to get down the field. And so how you manipulate the vertical element of it, I think is really what separates guys who are locked in the RPO world, kind of the front edge guys. They will have concepts that stretch a defense horizontally. And I'm talking on the perimeter with the passing game. And then they'll have ways to stretch a team vertically within the same play. And we'll still be able to probably run our best run. You know, that's pretty damn good. And how you construct those. If your offense doesn't do that, you probably need to, peel it back and kind of build an element where it can start to do that. Because the teams that do it well, the teams at the highest level of both in the league and college are doing that.
0: Well, yeah, you know, like you said, even with, with snag, you you run a hitch, but to me first getting into RPOs just a few years ago, cause I was a late, late adopter of even wanting to hear about it. Um, but I, then I started liking, cause we're getting these crazy boxes hey, it'd be really nice to flip it out to that guy with nobody over him um, and, and let him go run. And so kind of our first few messings with it has been like a, a bubble out to that receiver. But as much as it looks like this should be an unbelievable play, the safety's back at at 12 yards. I mean, this should be an easy five. He's sprinting downhill and, and making these plays on the bubble or we're counting on our receiver to make, two receivers to make an unbelievable block and now we're getting tackled for one yard or even negative yards at times that's when I started when that's the part that I enjoy about the course and and that's the part that I've tried to work towards now in RPOs is is being able to hit some of these you know what I don't know I'm going to call it slants but some of these things that at least get guys on the move get guys working downfield um can play off of you know, different guys that, that defense is trying to play in the run support um, and, and as defenses try to get more creative and, and add more guys that if they want to fill, you know, with that safety, we can hit it behind that safety or um, that being able to hit it downfield for some of these big plays uh, has been where I want to see, you know, us go as a run team is be able to not just throw it out on the bubble. But let's go get some yards off of these RPOs.
2: So what I want to see, is your JV first play call of the year. I want to see a bubble to one side, and I want to see a glance to the other side. And I want to see that RPO. I want to see that bubble pre-snap. If, there's, if you love the matchup out there, if there's only one dude out there where it's a cloud corner, throw it. But otherwise, let's read that play side third-level defender, and if he comes downhill at all, let's bang that glance and score and have a party in the end zone. Because it's literally, you cannot stop it. Like, I mean, you watch teams, like, I get it that it's LSU and Alabama, but it's, it's, it's everywhere. Like it's, it's going to be everywhere this year in high school where you just Mm -hmm. have running just whatever run you want to do it. You know, it's often in 11 personnel with duo or whatever someone wants to call duo, Uh but it is, it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing of beauty. And so, you know, I, I just, it's, it's just like anything, right? You value where you spend your time. So, you know, If you're going to, if you're not going to practice it, if you're not going to practice the ball handling, like if you let your quarterbacks warm up with the laces, you're probably not going to be very good at RPOs. That's just, that's the truth. Like if you're on them from jump, like, Hey, this is how we handle the ball. This is how we do quick throws. Don't touch the laces. I think it's an easy little, you know, coaching, you know, now you're coaching quarterbacks. So like, It's just those type of things that you got to get used to. You got to make it part of the fabric of what you do to be able to make those throws because a bubble looks like it should be easy, but it's hard to throw a bubble, especially if your guys in high school and throws change ups, you know, it's, (laughs) it's tough, you know, so there is an element like last year, our guy was outstanding at throwing slants or quick slants, like one step slants, outstanding quick release. So our whole package was kind of built around that and it worked out great for a long time. Then teams basically gave us two middle fingers and said, you're not doing that. So we had to adjust. And so, but it's, for me, there there are just, it's really, you know, everybody knows there's only so many things you can do with 11 people. But for me, it's the combination of things that you do. It's the, the if you're going to do pre-snap stuff, you know, how's that tethered in? If you're going to do post-snap stuff, what does that look like? Are you going to run the quarterback? How does that play into it as well? And then sometimes, You know, I know you guys are just fans. Sometimes you just got to like, hey, we're just going to hand it off and run it. There's an element of that too. But I would push back to that. And the only thing I would say is if you have the capacity to go back and look at your stats to see what run plays are better. We're definitely a better run team when we are running routes on the perimeter and they're not blocking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like our best run blocking on the perimeter is just run a slant. That's how we got most of our long runs. And so they're not out there having stock blocks for three seconds.
0: So, yeah. so, when I'm, so when I'm asking my quarterback, my JV quarterback, read this backside safety, and is he staring directly at that one guy? Is he have big eyes to see how everything's working? Is he saying, hey, if my guy's open, then I'm throwing it to it. If he's not, I'm handing it off. As a quarterback, I'm trying to help my quarterback. What am I telling him to, to exactly look at?
2: Okay, so let's play this out. All right, we're in 11 personnel. I'm assuming you guys might run 11 personnel.
0: Yeah, we we got it.
2: Okay. The tight end is to the right, two by two. Okay, tight end's attached. We're going to run bubble to the left, pre-snap, and we're going to run a glance to the right, and we're going to run duo. Okay? Okay. We are going to, if the quarterback likes the bubble, and I mean like meaning like love it, could hand it to him for 10 yards, we're going to throw it. <laughs> okay. If not, we're going to read – the strong side safety,
0: mm-hmm.
2: whoever that safety is to the tight end. If that safety is in any sort of middle field open look, and I don't know if they would ever see this in JV football, but if they were in a like 10 yards off on like a quarters look, mm-hmm. we're just going to stare at him. And if he inserts into the run fit at all, we're going to throw a glance or a bang post or whatever you want to call it. I call it a glance because we give it a little bit more flexibility with what that wind angle looks like. but. Something to replace where that safety is coming. So they can't be right. If he stays back, we got the numbers we want to run it. If not, we got the exact look we want to throw it with no safety help. And so, you know, that's one way to do it. And then you can really get more complicated depending on how you want to do the ball handling, whether it's at a pistol, same side, you know, a cross face. I think it's a lot easier to just do it where the guy is staring right at him for a JV football player. But like if you were playing JV football, you could, if you, you run that play, it's, it's going to be hard. I, I don't know how you stop it. You, know, you, got to have, you just play man, and your guys you know, is not as good as the other team.
0: <laughs> that's a lot better way. So I tried to get into it last year. We ran it once. We ran it once in a game, uh, in JV game. And my, but my only coaching point was, hey, he's going to run a slant. If the slant's open, throw the slant. If it's not, hand it off. We threw the slant, and it would have been a touchdown, but we dropped it. But that's how it goes but we've got well, it and you,
2: you come back to it.
0: <laughs> I know I, I, I mean, should I have ran I, it on actually, second
2: down. Do it again.
0: <laughs> I should have, but it was, it was my, it was my proof of concept, but it worked at least the proof of concept was there, but I, I liked at least having a, a better, uh, you know, option to tell him to look at. Cause like I said, right. Then I just telling him, Hey, if slants open, throw it, but having a, a certain person to look at um, as a quarterback, Because, again, and and this is Walls' selling point on the course all the time, is here's a guy that's actually done it. Sounds really good as a coach, um, but, you know, especially if you've got an offensive line coach that played in college and now he's trying to tell you uh, what to look at and what to think on an RPO, I I can get as much knowledge as I I want. But there's just something a little different from somebody that's actually gone through and done it. So as a player, as a quarterback, are there certain schemes that make you feel more comfortable back there throwing RPOs off of?
2: Yeah, yes. And so the, the thing for me that talking to the quarterback-wise is that the thing that I think, again, elevates RPO teams that do it a lot, that major in it, not do it more than once a year, is having the ability and the toolkit, both how you teach the running back and kind of the ability to take the hit off because you're always nervous that there's going to be a free hitter. And you know, the guy that you're reading, if he blitzes know what's going on like yeah you should have a pretty good shot to th- for the pass but again you know do you have a full toolkit do, do you is there some sort of communication device to save the hit and to take the hit off and even if you have it it still doesn't work all the time you know you're you're going to get hit there's going to be miscommunication but for me as a quarterback I always wanted to know you know you know how important pass protection is and so what that looks like as far as are are, are we sound you know I don't ever want to get into a space where we're like we're not sound. We're going to get somebody injured. Those type of things are the, the forefront of how we build out concepts. So for me as a quarterback, it's always, am I blocked up? You know, who am I looking at? And if it's that, that's a beautiful thing too about it, depending on what type of system you're in. You know, I always like to teach the intent of the play. You know, most people think of RPOs as run first and, you know, in a linear thinking, it really is run first, pass second. But the way that we do it, you know, we do a, maybe some. SROs you know where we want to throw the screen first and if the screen's not there we want to we'll hand it off or we maybe have a you know PRO where we are trying to bang this pass and if it's not there it turns into a draw you know a lot of people do that with like the uh, what's the easy one like the stick screen you know people Mm -hmm. have been doing that forever you know the sticks there throw the stick if it's not we'll throw the swing to the other side well we just do it different ways and so having packages like that you know I, I think makes it a little bit easier on a quarterback sometimes. And then just when they know what, Hey, you know, if, if it's a normal RPO, Hey, it's blurry at all. Like it's muddy at all. Just hand it off. We're fine. Live to fight another day. It's fine. If we want to throw it for sure, we'll call a drop back. You know, those type of things where I think I'm, I try to be really intentional with what is the intent of this play? What is this our bread and butter RPO? Are you, could you run this and throw this in your sleep? Those type of things we repped it so much that they feel great about it. Or is this like, Hey, this is a game plan specific thing. We're taking a shot. If it's not there, It's not the look we're anticipating. What's my default? What's my toolkit say I can do to get us out of here. And so, you know, just like anything, you want them as prepared as possible. For me, it's just the easiest to coach that for the quarterbacks, probably because I played it, but also because it's only one person, you know, we're not doing, Mm -hmm. you know, five different offensive linemen changing who they're blocking or what the call is. If it's a pressure look, you know, things like that. I think, you know, when you start having mass communication at the line of scrimmage, you got more opportunity for air as opposed to, Hey, I know this quarterback knows exactly what the intent of this play is. Let's roll. I trust his decision-making. He's earned it. Here we go.
1: Coach, my, I'd say my two favorite sections of you know, your, your class or course, whatever you, you, know, you want to call it, your roadmap, I guess, right? Um, number seven and number eight. You know, I, I love the part where, again, you know, it, it looks great on, on paper. We run it. We install it. Well, now they take it away. Right. So what's kind of, you know, the, the next step. So I loved your two sections on, you know, why do RPOs fail? And then, you know, how do you, you protect some of your RPOs? Can you kind of cover, you know, maybe, you know, some of the, the most basic you know, reasons why RPOs aren't going to be perfect, even though, you know, in the, in the whiteboard world, it, it should be. And then, you know, what are some things to think about? You know, you have your primary RPOs and I know we ran into it cause we run a ton of them here you know, now teams are going to maybe play man or they're going to, you know, push a linebacker and insert from an opposite side. How do you kind of marry up something with it to be able to, you know, have the next answer when they do start playing it that way?
2: Yeah, I I appreciate that. And those were kind of two of my favorite sessions too, just because that's real life. Like that. that's playing and coaching football where these things are going to fail. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, And for me, it's just having a plan, you, you know, not being shocked why they fail. Like not being, not getting your feelings hurt when they call linemen down the field. Like it's going to happen sometimes. You know, it, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Now, it's, most often, it's not going to happen. But I think if your unit has an understanding of where that space is, and even, you know, once a, an offensive line unit starts to grow together to realize, hey, this is an RPO. You know, I'm not just going to leave my combo, my combo or my double team when I know that there's a chance that this thing's going to be thrown, you know, in a heartbeat. You know, those type of things where they start playing together and have a unit understanding, I think really elevates a group. The other thing that you talked about, I think, from my point of view, I always try to look from the opposite side of the ball. So, if you're a defensive coach, how are you trying to take this away? First of all, obviously, you're going to try to play man, but say you don't have, you can't match up on the perimeter. What does that look like? Well, so are you telling certain guys that, hey, you know, this team, you know, depending on where the backs at, you know, can you play with the back placement? Because you know, I think back in the day, RPOs were always kind of a cross face, and it's kind of evolved to a pistol. You know to keep that kind of look balanced but now you can do so much same side RPOs and mm-hmm. flop RPOs which are really popular kind of the next thing it really kind of screws the defense because they used to be getting kind of like oh I'm going to be red here on a zone read type play well now no we're running right at you you know so you can't take that kind of clue about where your running back position is and I think that was kind of the the thing that kind of for defensive coaches thought oh you know I, I got a little handle on this I got a little clue I got a little hint well you know, now you got to understand, you know, are, am I going against a guy who has that type of, you know, defensive clues built in? Are they looking at where the back is being placed? And so you see all those late shifts, late movements, late back stuff, I think is, is another way to easily adjust. And then at some points, I, I really do think that at some point the defense is going to, they, they try to figure out, you know, where's the quarterback looking post-snap? You know, like if, if, they, if the quarterback is looking at you, you know, is, is that defender taught something different? And I think that's kind of where the evolution of it looks like it will be going moving forward at the highest levels. Now you're probably not going to see that at JV football, but you know, if, if all of a sudden you're playing a team and you know that they're a, you know, a second level RPO team, you know, if they look, if you're playing well linebacker and he stares at you or you're on the slot and he stares at you, do you now have a different key? Are you just going to stay flat footed? Are you going to slow, you know, what are you going to do and, and having a plan for those type of things? So, so you don't just get kind of, Shocked that all of a sudden, hey, they're playing differently. Yeah, it's because you're a heavy RPO team. They're gonna play. They're gonna have a plan to try to take away what they, what you think, what you do consistently well. And then for me, the, that the, the thing that I really enjoyed building out was just how to protect RPOs. And so just having an idea, and I've touched about a few different things as far as taking the hits off the quarterback, because that was the thing that I was most concerned about, just with having, if we're reading a certain player, and that player just decides that he's going to take off and blitz for whatever reason, we don't have a plan to hit, to take that, the hit off the quarterback, you know, how do you teach the running back? How do you practice that communication for the protection? And then the easy thing to do, especially for most teams that live in the RPO world and their spread is to have different tempo options. You know, you can't, you can't start tricking people moving around when you go fast. And whether that's not necessarily going fast, like, hey, we, we're no huddle supercharge all the time. It's, hey, do we bust it out of the huddle, you know, and snap the ball really quick. You know, different ways to have tempo options to kind of, again, take and protect some of these RPO looks. Because you're right, some teams, are, they're going to have a plan, whether it's man, whether it's, you know, they're going to scrape people, whether they're going to, you know, all of a sudden insert extra people into the box, whether they're going to come out I I tell you last year we got bared, you know, the last month of the season, people just said, you know, two middle fingers, you know, we're in 10 personnel. They're going to have seven people in the box. Good luck, you know, and to, to Rowdy's point, like we just weren't, we weren't good enough on the perimeter sometimes to go out there and block a bubble or, you know, run a tunnel or do things that, that probably, you know, you look at the math and say, Hey, you should just do this. Yeah. I I get that, (laughs) but like, (laughs) we don't got the dude to do that. So, you know, just how to, how to protect it like that. And then, you know, there's just so many different ways again, to, to take advantage of a team that, that is going to try to play any type of zone. <laughs> you know, it just puts you on such a, such a disadvantage defensively and really uh, makes them be simple where, you know, they're, they're going to either come out, overload the box, or they're going to come out and play man. And if they don't, you know, I last year, our quarterback and I, like if, if they if they don't come out the first series and play middle field closed, man, we are going to have a good night, like it was like a big smile between us, you know, like mm. just looking over, like ah, like they 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 think they're playing quarters. This is funny.
0: Yeah, so I'm kind of curious, and and I've heard, and and I think you know Walls has talked about this a bunch, um, but and maybe you've already answered it before, but it's kind of in my mind now with being able to run an RPO on or a PRO um, on on any of any given play that you want. Is there a need to? Have those have obviously drop back and then also have a quick game um, put into your offense, or do you think at least at the high school level you could use your PROs and your RPOs to to supplement and be your your quick game for you?
2: Uh, I I know people who do it both ways. Uh, we we have the opportunity, you know, sometimes, and it, you know, it's not perfect out there, obviously. Like I would get upset with the quarterback that he wasn't throwing the pass and I would just call the quick game pass. So we definitely have both of them. I don't think I'll ever get away from just having the ability to throw a hitch or throw a slant. But do we have like the exotic things that I was doing? You know, back in the day, 15 years ago in the league, you would have – you'd carry, you know, 10, 15 quick game passes into a game. No. Like I I don't do anything like that. Like there's no – we don't run a whole lot of exotic spacing – or sticks or stuff like that. We'd have like five different ways to run stick, double stick, stick knot, all those things. Like, you know, we we get to those through mostly through RPOs. But at the same time, like if he just keeps handing it off, then yeah, we're gonna call we're gonna call quick game.
0: And then I and then my my other piece and and I caught it just it was uh, it was probably five days ago I was listening to it and you and you already touched on it today. But there's you know RPOs, there's PROs. And I believe you said it, and, and please tell me if I'm wrong, because I could be easily. But that you could kind of interchange those, either by coaches, you know, per, you know, personality, or uh, is it is it week by week? How how often can you change that uh, for any given play, or are you trying to keep that play? It's always going to be an RPO. Um, but you, I, I know you had talked about in your course, hey you know, a certain play could be a PRO or it could be an RPO just depending on what you wanted it to be. Is that something with your with your team, with your offense, is that something that you can change on a weekly or, or throughout the year basis? Or is that something that you try to keep in, in you know, certain categories so the quarterback always remembers uh, the, the list of importance for that play?
2: That's a good question. The, w- w- theoretically, uh, we would have to talk about it just because the way that we signal is uh, kind of to the line first. So the gotcha. line, you know, I always tell them that it's like a, uh, to think very linear. So kind of the, you know, the order of the signal is the order of the priority, but we set it with the, the signal to the line first. And so that would confuse the quarterback unless we had talked about it. Like I couldn't do it in series per se, but we could certainly change the, the way that I signaled it to the perimeter If it changed, the quarterback would know, hey, this is the priority, if if, if that makes sense. So it's very, it's kind of linear in its creativity, in its creation. And so, you know, I created, not created, we structured the offense to be able to be adaptive like that and be able to mirror kind of package concepts together. And so the the way that we signal them is the order that I want him to look at them. So it's basically almost like reinforcing the read right before the play. And so, you know, I, I think you could certainly do that. And I I don't necessarily get, I know it's, it's kind of a, a, you know, acronym crazy as far as what, you know, what the order is. I just think the by being able to be really specific on what the order is, tells you what the priority is in a way that gets lost in the jargon of, you know, everybody gets tired. Like, yeah, everybody knows RPOs are a thing, but like really when you unpack it, some of these things aren't RPOs, you know, like Oklahoma, runs this kind of wide receiver screen play where they're trying to get the ball to the wide receiver screen in a certain look. And if it's not there, they run quarterback lead draw and it's amazing and they, they do it really well, but they're that's a, that's a SRO straight up. Like there's no way to go around it. And I have no idea what they call it, but I've seen them run it 10 times. And so, you know, those things exist. And I think you just don't want to bound yourself when you're trying to structure what your RPO package looks like by saying, you know, Hey, we run bubbles. You know, that's, that's our, you know, that's our RSO stuff or our run screen stuff, as opposed to, you know, let's think about the order that we construct these to be able to, you know, if if this, what's the look, we don't want to run into the screen. All right, well, can we tag something else with it to protect it as opposed to, you know, just rolling the dice and eating it if it's, if it's not the look we want. And so it's just that, you know, like any sort of preparation, just being able to match those things more than just saying, Hey, you know, what, what do we want to pair with power? You know, those type of things is, is I think, how some people do it when they first get into the world. But once you start to realize that some of these, the construction of how we think about offense can evolve to create more stress on a defense. Are we leaving, you know, yards out there? One of the things that I think is most important about it is is just the spacing of how you construct these plays. So are you stressing the defense every single play horizontally and vertically. Now it's not going to happen vertically every single play, but as often as possible. So they can't come downhill. So they can't come tackle the bubble. You know, those type of things where they, they feel a stress that they have to cover the entire width of the field that I don't think you necessarily do when you play kind of old school phone booth football.
1: Coach, my last question, you know, after you've kind of gone through, you know, the, the roadmap and and you're going to start kind of watching people, you know, who are some of the guys Teams, coaches, whoever you want to kind of, you know, shout out. Who are some of the the people who are, are running RPOs maybe, you know, the best and are kind of an inspiration for some of the things that you do?
2: Honestly, I get the most inspiration just by trying to like do crazy deep dives on the internet to see what other high schools that are score a lot of points are doing. Because I really think it, you know, a lot of the innovation in the game is a trickle up. And there are so many people doing so many fascinating things. I touch on it a little bit at the end of the course about what the future of RPOs look like. And there are, you know, there are guys running RPOs on RPOs and I know that that probably bothers some people to think to do the mental gymnastics of what that looks like, (laughs) but that's the truth and it's pretty freaking awesome and I'm pretty excited to try it. And so, you know, those type of things where, you know, it's, it's, you're really only bounded by your own creativity, but there isn't like I, I, you know, one of the reasons why the course doesn't have any film in it, which probably will bother some coaches, but it really is because I dislike watching those type of clinics where it's like, Hey, you know, check out my blurry huddle film or check out Alabama LSU running this play like this. You know, you should do this. Well, no, I want you to do the work yourself, do the work to think how this could fit for your program, your players, trying to give you the framework, kind of the scaffolding to be able to understand it from a coach perspective, a quarterback perspective, you know, a perimeter perspective, an interior perspective, to see what could you do and then dabble in it if you're just dabbling in it or expand. Even if you have, you know, I would consider ours pretty expansive for the high school level, but we're constantly tinkering, you know, and it's all based on what is the quarterback like? What are we good at blocking? You know, how can we merge those things? What does it look like versus this opponent? So it's never static. And there's just so many moving parts as opposed to being like, Oh, you know, we're going to run against the three technique this week, you know, like that that's our check, you know, as opposed, you know, just more ways to challenge the players. And I, and I just think it's the, it's the, it's the wave of the future of football. And, uh, and I think most people know that I think some coaches are trying to fight it, but the people who are on the front edge of it are really, the younger, the, the high school coaches that, that just score a ridiculous amount of points. And they're out there if you're willing to search for them and find them. And they're, they're willing to share information too. That's the crazy part for me, as you know, just the, the coaching community out there, as long as you don't play them, they're, uh, they're pretty comfortable talking ball and, and being able to do that stuff. And so that's, that's my inspiration for kind of where the space is going.
0: So, so kind of my most memorable you know, moment from the first time we got to talk was, uh, I'm just learning pass game and I said, what's your favorite? concept and and you rightfully you know told me hey it's it's about getting our our dude the ball and how do we get him you know the the ball in his hands and and I'm thinking more people as opposed to a cool concept Uh, so with that do you go into a game with that same thought process in your RPO game or your PRO game is it that same thought process of how do we put our guy on uh, a stressed safety or how do we put our guy on a stressed linebacker does that same thought process go through your head when you're game planning your your rpos your pro's your uh you know sros
2: uh, the acronyms uh so you're <laughs> starting you're starting to speak the language you gotta be careful uh, Hey, i'm telling you, you be i'm careful i've you watched
0: be it careful, i get man. it i'm, gotta I'm gotta getting be it uh,
2: be t- converted. don't tell uh, any of my
0: friends don't tell any of my friends i know all those
2: No, so for me, that's like, that's one of the best parts of the most fun. So you, you, it just basically compounds that same thinking. So I'm still thinking player first, but now I'm thinking, you know, okay, where, what's our best run? What's our, what do we want to live in this week? What do we want to major in this week? Where, you know, where are we going to focus as far as, and then how can we tether that to put our guy or our guys in the best spot to be successful? So, you know, nobody wants their best player out there blocking the boat for the bubble. You know, if you're going to take a vertical right. shot, you want your guy there. So how you formation trick people, how you motion shift trick people to get where you want them to be to uh, to take advantage of that. That's the fun stuff for people who like the X's and O's, the construction of the plays. And so absolutely, I, I think the same way. I just compound the thinking to think, okay, you know, what are we good at running this year? Like, are we trying to get you know, as many double teams as possible? Are we trying to live in a, in a gap world? Or what are we doing run game-wise? What do we want to run? Do we have a quarterback that can run? Are we comfortable running the quarterback? You know, all those things together to say, you know, now and, and where's our dude? Where are we trying to get the rock to it? Or where, or where are we trying to get as often as possible and moving that person around to be able to take advantage of what that play and concept looks like. So I think it stays on the exact same track as that. It's just kind of a wider lens to say, now I want to mirror my best, you know, maybe the side that I want to run to, the guy I want to run behind, you know, our favorite run with that kind of pre and post snap stuff. I, I like doing a lot of pre and post snap stuff. I know some people think it's too much. Some people don't live in that world at all. I just think it's silly to pass up easy stuff on the perimeter to get your, probably one of your best players in space, make a guy miss. It's an easy way to score. Just seems too many hitches, not tackled to not take it. And so that type of stuff, again, it's a horizontal stretch. And so Put your second-best player on the pre-snap. Put your first-best player on the post-snap, and, and good luck. better have some dudes out there.
1: I, I like that, that thought process, too. I mean, we, we're blessed with the, a guy that's, you know, he's committed to Iowa, and, it, and it's the same thought process. You're putting him on the deeper route or the, the post-snap simply because, you know, teams are going to cloud in play cover, too. Now, whatever our, our run is that's attacking, you know, the front side tackle box, they're short a guy. So, I mean, if you're I, – I, I've told Harper again and again, you know, the RPO is awesome, but, I mean, if you do like to run the ball, this protects your run game so much, and especially if you have one or two guys on the perimeter, it, it really puts defenses in a bind. It's like, okay, well, cool, now you want to come play man. You better be able to handle a six four, 200-pound guy in man, and they're not going to do that. Well, now, okay, we're going to double him. You're giving us something someplace else. So, to me, moving those chess pieces around, and like you said, that's – that's half the fun on Saturdays and Sundays. And it's, it's a lot of the reason why we do what we do.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is, it is, I, I, I would be lying if I said, I don't enjoy it. And I, and I like the way that you said it right there Brady, where it's like, you know, make it that simple for the quarterback sometimes where, Hey, you know, this our dude, this is where it's trying to go. But you know, if you go out there and see two safeties or a guy, a cloud or a safety over the top, you probably are 95% sure you're going to hand this ball off. Well, then is it really, you know, is it really that complicated? Is it that hard? You know, no. I, I don't necessarily think it is. I know it can <laughs> get blurry and it's not always that clean and I get it, you know, but, but at the end of the day, I, I just, I feel like it empowers the players. It makes everybody run hard. You know, there's no, like, you know, oh, he's not going to throw it to me this time. No, bro, it could go anywhere. That's the beautiful thing about it. There's no plays off. Everybody's playing hard, you know, uh, so many things that you instill, you can systematically instill it so that they have to do it because they might get the rock. And so another reason I love it.
0: Now, are you able to work these at all? And it's, I know it's a stupid question, but are you able to work these at all, like in seven on seven? Because it, we, we spend so much time on pass game so we can work run game and it, just in Oklahoma, you're allowed to be in pads, you know, almost never, but you can, you know, play seven on seven with your team Uh, It seems like almost all the time there's rules against it too, but uh, a lot more you can, you can do seven on seven stuff. Have you found a way or have you doctored up a way that you can get those quarterbacks and those receivers, those reads, uh, even when you're not in pads or when you're not doing uh, when you don't actually have a run threat?
2: So, I mean, uh, I'm going to answer the question, but probably not the direction that you think we don't do a whole lot of seven on seven, I would say max five minutes a day. And And that's more as like a service period. I just don't think it's very efficient because Mm -hmm. of just what you said. You know, if we're going to throw the ball, if half of our throws are going to be RPOs, you know, are we getting, this is not realistic of what it's looking like. And then the flip side of that is, okay, now you're in your run period, whatever you want to call your run period. You know, we can't really do nine on seven because we have need the whole unit to do the run period. And then if we get in a run period, you know, am I telling the quarterback to throw it every single time, you know, no. So there is that kind of sweet spot, like, Hey, hand it off, hey, we're going to do two ball. We've done two ball before, you know, where you're flipping a ball to the quarterback so we can throw it, but mostly it's done in individual where we're just trying to get quality reps. You know, we'll do the, we'll have the back out there. We'll have the wide receivers and the quarterback will have to make the read and we'll just have a coach out there being the kind of the conflict defender to get that kind of work. And then it's, it's just a, it's a priority for us, right? So when we throw routes on air or warm up or play hookup or whatever you want to call it, we're doing that RPO type read that type of footwork that type of ball action we're not just you know it's not recess back there where we're trying to find the laces spin the ball chill you know <laughs> that type of stuff it's just a it start and I tell our guys from jump it starts with warming up and I, I know I've already mentioned it but it was for me it was a transformational thing about halfway through my career as a pro I saw somebody warming up without the laces and asked them and they're like yeah well I never get the laces in shotgun you know and I was like well neither do I he should probably practice that <laughs> you know and so it's so it's a it's an easy cue for me when i go watch guys warm up or play somebody if i see somebody warming up without the laces i am thinking, oh man this dude knows what he's doing he's been coached he, they're gonna have they're gonna have it in for us a little bit here with the, with what they're doing and so you know it's uh i just think it has to be a priority there's no easy way to do it uh, the seven on seven for me is is a good way to practice some drop back stuff but it's so unrealistic as far as you know the, the reality of what it's like to play quarterback. I always try to think from the face mask or from the helmet, you know, it's just, it's not, it's never like that. And so I get the, I see the value of it for, for, for youngsters to get out there and compete in the summer and, and get some exposure, have some fun with it. I think it is fun. And it's a way to learn the concepts, but as far as tethering it to the RPO world, it's, I think you have to be really intentional with your practice. you got to find ways to create the ball handling, the sense of urgency, the reads. And then you got to make sure that it doesn't hijack certain periods. You know, if you're in there to run the rock, just hand the ball off. You know, those type of things to, to work together. But it's easy when I'm the head coach, right? Like, I get to make the practice schedule. <laughs> like, right, you right. know, it's a, lot, it's a lot harder when, you know, coach says, you know, whatever, we're on a nine-on-seven, get down here and hand the ball off. Yeah, it's going to be a problem to get the RPO work.
1: I always thought it was, it was pretty cool, you know, do something like your special team segments, you know, that the the QBs and receivers aren't doing. I mean, even if you don't have a running back or something there, you could you could always kind of steal five minutes here and there during practice, you know, just almost kind of write it down and remind you, hey, during PAT field goal, if you're not holding, you're down here and we're working, you know, our slant RPO or working our glance. So always some ways you can sneak it in there, man.
2: Absolutely. Those things are uh, – I I'm really intentional with our wide receiver coach grabbing our quarterbacks at all times, getting those type of work in. I just think it's when you go out there, and you you guys know, you know, sometimes you just fall asleep, whether you're communicating with a coach, you know, or talking to a player, you know, as far as that early in practice when you're, you know, right, you might not know this, but guys throw the ball to wide receivers and they catch it usually without anybody out there. It's like a warm-up thing early in practice. So if if you teach that, if you are on them about that ball handling, that type of, being able to go through the read visualize it get real reps as opposed to just you know chilling that type of thing or snap it to yourself or just handing the ball like you already got the laces you know that's one of my biggest pet peeves man it drives me crazy when the quarterback pretends he's in shotgun and just like (laughs) hands the ball to himself at least like throw it up and pretend like you're finding the laces but I'm gonna go off on a tangent
1: Well, man, we gotta we gotta get rolling here. We got an, another podcast coming up, but you know, kind of tell our, our, our viewers and listeners that uh, you know, how they can kind of find this stuff and, and where it's available.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm really excited about the RPO course. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. I think, you know, if you're a fan of the of the of the of the YouTube channel, the quarterback school, I think it's the I'm the most proud of anything that we've done through this course, just as far as the idea of being educational about being able to hit multiple buckets, coach-centric, player-centric, fan-centric, and really something that I think is kind of misunderstood. Even if you understand it, there are so many ways to expound upon it, and there are ways to just have a better understanding of what some of these teams are doing on the front edge and where the game is going. And I just, I'm really excited about it. The course is through Teachable, but you can find it through just, I think it's JTL Sullivan, the, the, uh, the uh, QB school and it's going to have 8 billion different links of me trying to to get people to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys can use our code. We'll talk about it at the
0: beginning of the podcast too, but you guys can use our code, get, get a discount on it. And um, we, we loved it. We've, we've watched it and, and gone through it and I'm going to go through it some more and, and um, uh, you know, the JV, JV team is going to be throwing glance uh, glance for touchdowns every other, uh, every other series now.
2: You better share that video. I'm going to be excited.
1: (laughs) Will do. JT, you're the man. It's always a blast, man. uh, We'll have to talk again soon. I could could literally sit here for three, four hours with you, man.
2: I appreciate it, guys. I love the show, and uh, it's always a pleasure to chat. And
0: that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.